It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All these people here, they're very creative. Tonight, Injunction Day. The tents remain at Crab Park, so what happens next? Plus, serious charges against two escaped inmates. What they're accused of doing while on the run. And... Uh, a $500, you know, expansion fee. Surrey still serving up hefty fees to restaurant owners. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Colleen Christie is away. Victoria police are asking for help to identify a man who attacked a woman at random today. Have a look. Surveillance footage shows the unprovoked assault. Police say the unidentified man threw his body into the 29-year-old woman as she walked on the sidewalk in the 2900 block of Douglas Street at about 11 this morning. The victim suffered non-life-threatening injuries. The suspect left the scene. Now, he is described as 20 to 30 years old, Hispanic or South Asian, and about 5 foot 8 inches tall. He was wearing a dark jacket and shorts and a gray shirt. If you see the guy, call 911. If you have any information, call Victoria Police or Crime Stoppers. Two escaped inmates have been charged with murder in the death of a Vancouver Island man. The news comes almost a year after we first highlighted the fact the dangerous pair was on the run from a minimum security prison. In the days before, Martin Payne was killed in his Machosan home. Kristen Robinson reports. Even though questions remain... Residents of a rural community west of Victoria are elated there are answers in their neighbor's murder. That's what we've been waiting for. And I think everybody on the street was pretty darn sure it was those two. Two men who escaped from prison in Machosan, Zachary Armitage and James Lee Bush, a convicted murderer, are now charged with first-degree murder in the death of 60-year-old Martin Payne. Those guys shouldn't have been there in the first place. Armitage, who was serving time for robbery and assault, and Bush, who was in William Head for second-degree murder, escaped from the minimum security institution on July 7, 2019. Payne was found murdered inside his home eight kilometers away on July 12. An obituary says the longtime government employee died July 8. Payne's Ford F-150 truck was found parked in Oak Bay July 9, hours before the two escaped convicts were arrested in Esquimalt. These guys slipped through the cracks. Uh, whether those cracks have been adequately filled or not, I'm not sure. William Head has since added another daily inmate count. A Correctional Service of Canada internal investigation also revised policies to strengthen the assessment process and decision-making involving minimum security inmates. But Machosan's mayor says there's still no guarantee high-risk inmates will be kept out of the minimum security facility. It still does not give the local authorities, the warden or the, 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 the local administration, the ability to say no. Until we see some more changes from Corrections Canada on who ends up here, we're going to have to be a lot more vigilant. The senseless murder of pain, known to many for delivering internal government mail, 
has forever changed the community of just under 5,000. I lock my doors now, all the time. Kristen Robinson, Global News. One of the main routes into and out of downtown Vancouver has been closed all day by protesters. They set up blockades early this morning on the eastbound and westbound entrances to the viaducts. They posted a number of signs, including Black Lives Matter, I Can't Breathe, and Protect Black Trans Women. When Global News approached the protesters, they refused to comment. Vancouver police say they are monitoring that situation and that public safety is top priority. Traffic is still being diverted away from the area. The deadline came and went for the dozens of people living in a parking lot next to Crab Park on the Vancouver waterfront. On Wednesday, a B.C. Supreme Court judge granted an injunction, ordering the campers off the site by this afternoon. Paul Johnson tells us what happened. Two protest movements joined forces on the Vancouver waterfront Saturday afternoon. You're watching demonstrators from the Black Lives Matter movement march in from their protest several blocks away and join the First Nations-led encampment in Crab Park. Show support. These are human beings here. There are approximately 50 tents set up in Crab Park and likely several dozen semi-permanent campers, some of whom may have moved from the now cleared encampment in Oppenheimer Park. Others have turned up in the weeks since insisting better housing is not available to them and that First Nations rights to this land have never been ceded. We have refugee dollars that I support still going to other countries, but when our most basic human rights um, are being protected in other countries and Canadians and Indigenous people displaced from their own lands um, are told that they don't have those same rights that Canada can send dollars over to we ask that refu Canadian refugee camps be created um, that are low barrier, no barrier and sober places that people can shelter in place. Well, there's now a court injunction giving the Port of Vancouver the right to clear this encampment. There's currently no indication of who would enforce it and when. The land is on federal property and the camp is happening on what appears to be unused land. So there's little sense that anybody's digging in for a confrontation. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. For the second time this month, an Indigenous person has been fatally shot by police in New Brunswick. RCMP were called to a home near a First Nation outside of Miramichi last night for a report of a disturbed person. An RCMP spokesperson says the officers were confronted and lunged at by a man armed with knives. Police say a taser was used, but when that failed to stop him, an officer opened fire. 48-year-old Rodney Levi was taken to hospital where he later died. His family says he had mental health and addiction issues, but wasn't able to get treatment. Rodney would have been scared because he thought the police were really wanting to kill him. He told several people that day, the police are going to kill me, which was not, not that's not what was happening. He just, his drug-induced psychosis, that's what he thought and felt and 100% believed. Quebec's police watchdog is investigating the case. The Quebec watchdog agency is also looking into the death of Chantelle Moore. The 26-year-old indigenous woman from Vancouver Island was shot and killed in Edmonston by police last week during a wellness check. And today, dozens in the New Brunswick community walked in her memory. Global's Silas Brown reports. They walked in silence. Through the streets of the Madawaska Maliseet First Nation into Edmonston, 
slowly to try and heal the pain caused by loss. It's almost as if our ancestors from below that we buried were lifting us up to tell us not to give up, and that's what was going through my mind. At the head, Martha Martin, whose daughter Chantel Moore was shot and killed by Edmonston police during a wellness check on June 4th. We shouldn't have to be afraid of having that wellness call. You know, the message today is, you know, we're going to come together as one, and, and that's really important. Martin was joined by a dozen family members who came from British Columbia for Moore's funeral. The walk ended in Edmonston's town square, where family spoke to the crowd. We've been hurt many times. How can we ever trust any police force? Why should we even answer the door for a wellness check? How in the hell did that happen? Moore leaves behind a young daughter. Her great-aunt Nora Martin spoke at the end of the walk about how Indigenous children shouldn't have to grow up without mothers. Yesterday we were invited to the Toby community. And on our way there, she kept talking about her mother. And she said, I don't want to die like my mother. In the wake of Moore's death, calls for an inquiry into systemic racism in New Brunswick have grown louder. But Saturday's walk was about healing and to allow the family a chance to cry once again for justice for their daughter. Silas Brown, Global News, Edmonston, New Brunswick. Back here in B.C., many restaurants are still trying to figure out if they can survive the pandemic. But the city of Surrey is under fire from its own board of trade. Restaurant owners looking to expand their patio service will have to pay some pretty steep fees. As Julia Foy reports, that's in marked contrast to other municipalities. It's been just two weeks since Ocean Park Pizza turned their parking lot into Patio Central. It seems to be bringing the business back to life after the COVID curse. We were just told literally overnight we had to shut down. So it was a dagger to the heart. The city of Surrey recently announced a parking to patio program to help restaurants make up some of the business they lost during the pandemic shutdown. It has been more than worthwhile for the bottom line. But the Surrey Economic Recovery Task Force says the city is charging too much money and many small restaurants can't afford it. A $200 permitting fee, uh, a $500 you know, expansion fee, uh, roadway fees, uh, $1,400 parking fees. The task force discovered that several municipalities have waived fees for similar patio permits. Ocean Park Pizza is so far the only restaurant in Surrey that has received a permit, and Councillor Annis wonders why. We need to get the restaurants open again in Surrey, and we need to get them open so that they are viable. Surrey Council voted to endorse the city plan unanimously, but Annis now says it's time to reconsider the fees. I will be speaking out about this very important issue at council meeting this coming Monday night. But patio time is now, and restaurants need to make money while the sun shines. I'm surprised there aren't more open patio restaurants. I'd definitely like to see, you know, the rest of Surrey, uh, more restaurants taking advantage of this because it's good for not really only the business owners, but, you know, the community. As for Ocean Park Pizza, they want others in the industry to survive and thrive together. We've all been hit hard, but this has helped us rally, have hope, and actually see improvement in our bottom line and be able to move forward successfully. Julia Foy, Global News. 
In the District of North Vancouver, the issue isn't fees. There's a proposal to create a pedestrian-only zone this summer in Edgemont Village. But it could come at the cost of some parking spots. And some business owners say that would hurt their bottom lines. Nadia Stewart has the story. In a post-pandemic world, every parking spot matters for businesses eager to get customers back through their doors. Without parking, you don't have customers. Without customers, you don't have a business. It's why business owners in Edgemont Village say they were caught off guard when this notice was dropped off a few days ago, proposing a significant temporary reduction in parking spaces to accommodate more foot traffic. Parking is at a premium here to begin with. You're going to take out 29 spots, two of them which are handicapped. We didn't get an advance notice. There was no conversation. It was just delivered to all the businesses on uh, late Wednesday afternoon. And that's when uh, things kind of erupted. In an email to Global News, the District of North Vancouver says it has tried something similar in Deep Cove Village. That pilot project meant to support businesses and residents get around safely by providing both with more space. But there are questions about whether the same idea will work in Edgemont. These businesses have been closed for nine weeks or more. Now they want to take away the parking. It just doesn't really make much sense. <laughs> Delaney's coffee shop owner, Robin Delaney, says some businesses would indeed benefit from the move. But since that is not the case for everyone, consultation is essential. The people that are upset about it are obviously the people are going to be disadvantaged because they're parking in front of their business. Uh, eliminated for July, August and September, so for three months. Not to mention it would mean a lot more walking for seniors who might already be dealing with mobility issues. The district says nothing is set in stone. It's talking with owners now to find out what works best for them. Nadia Storkel News. Grocery giant Loblaw is ending its wage premium program. The company, which operates superstores and shoppers drug marts in B.C., started paying employees an extra $2 back in March due to the COVID-19 pandemic. In a statement, Loblaw says the situation has stabilized and the pay bump ends today. While many businesses have been suffering financially because of the pandemic, Loblaw has seen profits soar by almost 21% in the first quarter compared to last year. B.C. Provincial Court will resume hearing criminal, youth, family and small claims trials in person starting July 6th. Beginning Monday, one courtroom will also open for in-person appearances in 28 locations. Some in-person proceedings resumed last Monday at six provincial courts, including Vancouver and Surrey. Criminal defense lawyers say tens of thousands of cases have been delayed since the courts essentially shut down in mid-March. B.C.'s attorney general says online hearings are dealing with the backlog, and he is not aware of any charges being stayed due to the pandemic. Supporters of Access to Medical Assistance in Dying, or MAID, claim they have won a major court victory against the Delta Hospice Society. The supporters held a rally and marched through Delta today. Chris Pettypiece, a former society board member, says the B.C. Supreme Court has ruled to scuttle the current board's plans to become a faith-based organization as it sought to block MAID at its facility. The court's ruling was delivered orally on Friday. Global News has not been able to independently review it. Well, I hope the community gets the voice they deserve in this. The community built this place. Uh, and, and I think we've seen today, uh, the community cares and they've spoken. The society has been embroiled in a lengthy dispute with the B.C. government and local community members over its stance against providing MAID. 
It was legalized in Canada in 2016, and the Ministry of Health says it will defund the organization next February unless it makes the procedure available on site. The Hospice Society says, quote, we are highly concerned with the lack of justice in the court system today. The city of Kamloops is planning a permanent memorial in honor of Snowbird's captain Jennifer Casey. She died May 17th when she and the pilot were ejected from a Snowbird's jet moments after takeoff from Kamloops Airport. The pilot survived. The community created a temporary memorial at the airport and the city's mayor wants to erect a permanent one in consultation with Casey's family and the Air Force. It could be placed in a newly created park near the airport. A preliminary investigation suggests a bird strike may have caused the deadly crash. The union representing forestry workers says the shutdown of the McKenzie Mill will be a blow to the central B.C. community. That mill, owned by Paper Excellence, is about to enter indefinite curtailment. And Unifor says McKenzie won't survive if the provincial and federal governments don't intervene to address fiber access issues. The mill will operate until June 30th with 182 Unifor members being paid through August 6th. After that, the union warns that if the mill can't count on a reliable supply of fiber, it would be a disaster for the local economy. Crews are working to clean up an oil spill in Abbotsford. Trans Mountain says an alarm was received this morning and the pipeline was immediately shut down. No word yet on the cause or the amount of oil spilled, but the company says it has been fully contained at the Sumas pump station. An investigator from the Transportation Safety Board is also on scene. A fourth Asian giant hornet has been found in northwest Washington. A Bellingham resident found the queen hornet wiggling on their porch last week. It was stepped on and killed. Tests later confirmed it was the invasive species that's native to South Korea. The hornets can decimate honeybee colonies. This latest specimen was found about 24 kilometers from where another one was discovered back in May and 32 kilometers from where two others were spotted in December. The pests have also been found in Cloverdale and on Vancouver Island. You are about to meet an incredible B.C. teenager who's going above and beyond to help those in need. Darius Sam, a young Indigenous man from Merritt, is on the road as we speak, running a self-styled ultra-marathon to raise money for his local food bank. Here's Global's Sarah McDonald with his inspiring story. Of all the fundraising initiatives we've seen in the time of COVID-19, Darius Sam is literally going the extra mile. I've been training pretty hard, so I feel confident. Um, but I know it's going to be tough. The 19-year-old from Merritt embarking on a self-initiated ultramarathon Saturday, taking him across the south-central interior on foot to give back to those in need. There are people out there who are struggling. Me sleeping in my warm bed every night with a, with a, with a full stomach, it made me feel like I was privileged. It didn't make me feel too good, so I, I knew I had to do something. Something for Sam meant running 170 kilometers with only a few weeks of training after a chance encounter with a patron inspired him to raise funds for the Nicola Valley Food Bank and for those struggling a little more under the strain of a global pandemic. He came in and talked to me and said this, he wanted to do a marathon an amazing young man, and I said, yes, we would accept a, a donation on, on your behalf and your, and your goal. And from there, it just went like wildfire. 
Sam already raising more than $5,000 even before hitting the pavement, with friends following along by car and a local personal trainer joining in for the final stretch. He's going to be hopefully not in too much pain, but he'll be struggling. And so I'm hoping to just help walk with him, run with him, uh, just keep him moving. Because mentally he might want to stop. And as long as he's safe, I'm not going to let him. If all goes to plan, Sam's journey will take him well into Sunday with his loved ones waiting at the finish line. It takes community to raise a, a good young man like Darius. I'm so proud of him today. Ready to celebrate a remarkable young man's remarkably altruistic feat. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Way to go. Many festivals have been canceled amid the pandemic, but thankfully not this one. The Greater Vancouver Food Truck Festival went ahead using a drive-through today in Langley. The rules are no tailgating and no enjoying your food on site. You have to take it away. You know, we had to ensure that, you know, our guests would be safe, that our employees would be safe, and that we would be safe coming through here as well. Um, you know, we have our, our staff wearing PPE, we have social distancing effect, and obviously people are still in their cars. Yeah, and then we get in donuts next. Wow. Yeah, making the day of it, right? It's nice out, beautiful out, and hang out with the family and, and the dog in the back too, so having a great time. Oh, it's pretty cool. Like, you don't have to go down, you just drive through, and I can go back again and again. <laughs> and if you want to go back or go for the first time, tomorrow the Food Truck Festival will be at the Tradex in Abbotsford. Chief of Atlanta's police force has stepped down from her job after one of her officers shot and killed a black man. It comes as more protesters fill the streets, demanding action following the death of 27-year-old Rayshard Brooks. Tonight, growing outrage and new questions over the death of Rayshard Brooks. I do not believe that this was a justified use of deadly force. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms announcing the Atlanta police chief will resign. Chief Shields has offered to immediately step aside as police chief so that the city may move forward with urgency in rebuilding the trust so desperately needed throughout our communities. On Friday, police shot and killed the 27-year-old. Eyewitness footage shows the moment police tackle him to the ground. Police say they had been called to a Wendy's in Atlanta because Brooks was blocking traffic. He'd fallen asleep in his car at the drive-thru. Officials say after failing a sobriety test, officers attempted to arrest Brooks. When they went to effect an arrest on the individual, a struggle ensued between the parties. You see what appears to be Brooks grabbing an officer's taser gun. He runs away. Moments later, police shots fired. Oh! The suspect was then using that taser against the officer. The officer did discharge his weapon, striking the suspect. Brooks later died in the hospital. An officer was injured. Two officers involved in the shooting have been removed from duty pending the investigation. We realize there's a tremendous amount of emotion, passion involved in these cases, and certainly with the way uh, the environment is now, it's only enhanced. Uh, we have advised the agents to expedite the investigation. At the protest today, Atlanta native and rapper T.I. speaking out about Black Lives Matter. It is not just a black thing, it's a fair and decent thing. Well, I think this is a reflection of what is truly transpiring in our country. You know, it's not just the city of Atlanta. This is an issue that, you know, people are outraged. 
In the UK, far-right protesters fought with police. Aerial footage shows demonstrators scuffling with officers in London's Parliament Square, where groups say they were protecting statues from anti-racism activists. Officials fear these far-right activists will seek a confrontation with anti-racism protesters. The protests went ahead in central London, despite police warnings to avoid demonstrations. In Health Matters tonight, Canadian doctors are trying to learn more about how COVID-19 affects pregnancies. Early research from China and Europe suggests babies born of mothers who had milder symptoms seem to be doing well. And clinicians believe COVID-19 does not cross the and infect fetuses. A UBC professor is now leading a newly formed national network that will try to fill the gaps in knowledge. So far, more than 300 cases of COVID in pregnancy across Canada have been documented, and researchers are analyzing data collected from those patients. As we've learned more over time, uh, we believe that in fact, pregnant women are not at more risk of serious complications from COVID than adult women. Uh, but we are still working on understanding the rate of preterm birth and whether or not the baby in some rare cases can actually be infected um, from uh, the mother either before or at the time of birth. Johnson & Johnson is getting pushed back after it announced this week the company would be launching a new line of racially diverse Band-Aids. The pink bandages have been a point of contention for some who questioned why white skin was the default shade for a range of flesh-toned products. But others have slammed Band-Aid for using the current Black Lives Matter movement as a, quote, mere marketing metric. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The surprise delivery caught on camera on an Edmonton front porch. That story coming up right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, the Queen had a rather sedate ceremony marking her official birthday today. A small group of soldiers and musicians paid tribute to the monarch at Windsor Castle. The Queen's official birthday would normally be marked with the Trooping of the Colour in London, but that parade was cancelled for only the second time in her reign, this time, of course, due to the pandemic. The Queen's husband, Prince Philip, turned 99 on Wednesday. Happy birthday, Your Majesty. Now let's go to Yvonne, <laughs> and I'm glad you're here because it seems like the weather's been changing hourly this week. Yeah, so it's seen more cloud than sun for the day today. We're still seeing a chance of showers this evening overnight, and a similar weather picture for tomorrow. We have been advertising some rain on the way. I'll have the timeline in just a moment. Here's a quick glance, though, some bright spots overlooking English Bay at this hour. Temperatures have been cooler. We're sitting at 15 degrees. We've got a southwesterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. A quick glance at a couple of photos that were taken. This one at Egan Lake. Lee, fantastic with the pink sky and some cloud cover. An active weather in the interior. Megan managed to capture this of the lightning and Penticton. Now we do have a few lightning strikes popping up to the northern half of the island. A wave of rain is going to move in. It'll likely be showers for all areas across Metro Vancouver, but we do have a severe thunderstorm watch that is in effect. Active weather has been pushing in for the afternoon, especially the southeastern corners of the province. A line of thunder 
thunderstorms right now in the following areas for the East Kootenai, north including Invermere and south including Cranbrook. The severe thunderstorm watch, so the potentials there for the thunderstorms to become severe with strong wind gusts, large hail, heavy rain and lightning. So we'll continue to watch that and lots of instability kicks up once again. Not of the clear just yet, likely seeing the risk of thunderstorms once again for the southeastern corners. Here's a quick glance though for the northeastern corner. It'll be a different weather story with the rainfall warning that is in effect for Fort Nelson, Munchell Lake Park included within that. So we're tracking two systems. Another one just pushing in for tomorrow that is going to bring lots of instability and the rain develops for the northeastern corners as early as the morning, continuing for the day on um, Monday rather and up to 70 millimeters. A quick glance though as we get in towards the south coast, we are going to see a mainly cloudy sky, a chance of showers and then right there overnight and into Monday we've got rain heavy at times. That'll likely be the soggiest day out of the bunch and then it'll start to improve, especially in the long range with temperatures bumping up once again. Overnight, we're down to 12 degrees tomorrow morning. With a fair bit of cloud cover by the afternoon, temperatures should hopefully climb up to 18 degrees. So a significant amount of rain. This model isn't showing it, but for Fort Nelson, up to 70 millimeters by Monday afternoon, and the rain starts to develop as early as the morning for tomorrow. Wanted to show you the long-range forecast. It's been cold and wet, but we've got a bit of a break on the way. A ridge is going to start to build in, and this will be Wednesday for many areas across the province. What we'll see as a result is warmer temperatures starting to push in, temperature trend. It'll be Wednesday onwards, and these are a few spots away from the water, so getting into the low 20s. Central Okanagan, for example, and Kelowna will also start to see that bump in temperatures, so we're just a few days away. The northern half of the province with some rainfall for tomorrow, heavy at times. The northeastern corner, that'll likely be the bullseye for the heaviest rain. Rainfall across the central interior, the southeastern corner, the instability picks up for the afternoon and early evening, risk of a thunderstorm. Rain and very windy conditions for the tops in Okanagan tomorrow. Gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour and along the south coast, a few areas across the island. We'll see some breaks for tomorrow. Victoria up to 17 degrees. So we do have the rain moving in, but it'll be late tomorrow. Overnight on Monday, a soggy start to the work week and then a nice improvement. Some sunshine in the mix for our Wednesday, Thursday. Jordan. All right, Yvonne, thank you. Well, we've reported on packages being stolen from people's front porches, but the opposite happened to an Edmonton area family. Their surveillance camera caught a surprise delivery of kittens. Just after midnight Wednesday, the doorbell woke the Nitty family and they found an unusual delivery. He opened the door up and we heard meowing. Surveillance video shows two young women abandoning a carrier. Inside, a pair of kittens. The Nitties tried to find the owners. We walked down the, down the streets and, down. and uh, nothing. The next morning, the family spoke to a local rescue. Pause in need. They didn't want to release the cats, but they didn't, couldn't take them in because they had allergies. And so I said, well, we'll help you. Come here. Amanda Pike says the young cats looked healthy. They weren't really hungry because they were left with food, but they were pretty thirsty. They hadn't had any water overnight and they were pretty stressed. They were a little scared when they got here. Pike discovered they had microchips and had recently been spayed. She called the number attached to the chips. Unfortunately, that owner had rehomed them through Kijiji. Pike tracked down the next owner, who told her what happened. Her teenage daughter had left the cats on the doorstep because she brought them home without permission. Pike says laws in Alberta don't protect animals in situations like this. There shouldn't have been a way for a teenage girl to have acquired two cats. You know, she's ill-prepared to take care of them, didn't have permission. Instead, she encourages struggling pet owners to ask for help. People 
can work with the different rescue agencies around the city and wait until an appropriate is available um, and perhaps like take food donations from that rescue in the meantime. The Nitties are happy they could help the so-called ninja kittens, now named Rin Rin and Raja. I think they picked a good house. They're playful, they're healthy, and but yeah, they're going to be taken care of well, very, very well. They just don't want anyone else thinking their home or anyone else's is a dumping ground for unwanted pets. No. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that's, no. That's a hard no, yeah. Sarah Ryan, Global News. Glad that ended well. <laughs> I mean, they say cats choose their owners. It's not so, the other way around, but so usually maybe. not like that. <laughs> little weird. All right, Barry, what's coming up in sports? Well, uh, PGA Tour is back in business, which is great. I think uh, it's kind of, to me, the first big major sport that is back that uh, we can all enjoy here, certainly North American and uh, along with NASCAR. So we'll have highlights of that. And interesting with all... Uh, Certainly all the, the racial tensions and situation around North America, a kind of an unknown uh, a golfer, a black golfer, Harold Varner, had the lead after 36 holes. So interesting and maybe apropos that that would uh, be happening this week. So we'll tell you how he did and how the Canadians did as well coming up. Breaking news now. Firefighters are on the scene of a house fire in Langley. The home is on the 16900 block of Wakefield Drive, and it has been destroyed by the smoke and flames. First responders conducted CPR on one person. At this point, there's no word on that person's condition. As we mentioned, the home is destroyed. Still no word on a cause. We will bring you more information on this story as soon as we get it. Now, it is being called the Alaska loophole at the Canada-U.S. border during the pandemic. RCMP in Alberta are looking into reports of possible violations of the Federal Quarantine Act. While our border is closed to most travelers, it appears some Americans are still being let into the country. Global's Gil Tucker explains. A car from California Friday afternoon at a supermarket in Canmore with similar sightings recently in Banff. It is strange that we are getting people from across the especially I was talking to a few local business in town and they were saying that uh, we had people came from uh, Texas, Utah and California and always saying that they came through Alaska. This coming at a time when our border to the states remains closed to most travelers because of COVID restrictions. But the Canada Border Services Agency says there are exceptions. The agency sent us this statement. Healthy, non-symptomatic foreign nationals traveling through Canada for non-discretionary purposes, such as to return home to Alaska, may transit through Canada. The temporary restriction on all non-essential travel at the Canada-U.S. border has been extended until June 21st. But it appears that some Americans are trying to get around those rules and Banff RCMP are investigating. We're aware that there were a group of uh, four people uh, who claimed to be from Texas on their way to Alaska uh, who were having supper in a local uh, restaurant who claimed uh, to the server that they were not in fact on their way to Alaska but were in fact having a holiday. Um, unfortunately, the identities of the people weren't learned. Police are asking Banff businesses to let them know if it happens again. So we can locate the travelers and determine if there are in fact people complying with quarantine or if there are violations.
We're starving for business here, and on one side of the fence, we would love to have them. We can't wait for them to come here, but only when it's safe to do so. There's still massive hot spots breaking out all over the states. Florida's been hit really bad the last few days, and we just don't want that to happen here. Everybody just kind of needs to work together to make sure that we try to get from A to B as quickly and as safely as possible. It's not going to happen unless people can follow the rules. Gil Tucker, Global News. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Time for sports and starting with golf news tonight. Thanks very much, Jordan. The uh, PGA Tour returned this week after a three-month COVID hiatus. They are in Fort Worth, Texas for the Charles Schwab Challenge. Uh, Like many sports, the PGA Tour has made an effort to show support for the Black Lives Matter movement. They've had moments of silence each day at 846. Eight minutes, 46 seconds is the length of time. George Floyd was pinned to the ground by a Minneapolis police officer before he died back on May 25th. So it's interesting that in a sport considered as white privilege as any, that a black man, Harold Varner, held the lead through 36 holes. Varner, one of just a handful of black players on the PGA Tour, looking for his first career win, and wouldn't that be something if he got it this week? Great start. Birdies the first hole, gets to 12 under to increase the lead to two. But that was his only birdie of the day. Had a five-footer here on the seventh and missed it. Even today, dropping now seventh, but just two backs still in contention. We'll see how he handles the nerves tomorrow. Jordan Spieth has won at Colonial before. He's from Dallas. The tournament is in Fort Worth, so he knows the course well. Drops a 40-footer for birdie. Spieth in the thick of it, tied for second. Xander Schauffele with the approach shot here at 10. Terrific field here this week. Many of the top players, maybe with uh, just... Tiger Woods, the main one who's not playing, almost holds it for an eagle here. Shoffley, tap in birdie. He's near the top of the leaderboard as well. Star-studded cast, as mentioned, Justin Thomas at the 17th. Great approach here. Just a couple of feet from the hole. Thomas got to 12 under, tied for second with Jordan Spieth. Now, a young American, Colin Morikawa, 21 straight cuts made just uh, out of college, just over a year. Tee shot here on the 16th, and this almost goes in for an ace. Morikawa in that big log jam at 12 under. It was a six-way tie for first at one point, but on 18, Xander Shoffley breaks the tie, rolls in the birdie putt, and Shoffley is the 54-hole leader at Colonial at 13. Under par, five players at minus 12. Corey Connors, top Canadian, tied ninth, just three off the lead, along with uh, Rory McIlroy and Justin Rose. Uh, Adam Hadwin had an eagle on his first hole, but also made a double, uh, double bogey. He's tied for 27th at six under.
Well, this would have been the opening weekend of the CFL season. BC Lions and Edmonton Eskimos should have kicked things off this past Thursday in Edmonton. Instead of putting on his headset and roaming the sidelines at Commonwealth Stadium, Lions' new head coach Rick Campbell was here at home in Vancouver. This is, this is a different deal. I, this is my 23rd year of doing this, and usually my June is um, very busy. So it's a it's a different different thing. But um, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna be ready to go whenever they tell us we can. We haven't been told anything specifically, but we're definitely anticipating that it would be a shortened training camp, and you know you'd have to hit the ground running. So. Um, you know, we expect a lot of veteran players and um, making sure we're prepared ahead of time. And so that when we do come in, um, it's going to be a race to get to get going as fast as you can. And like you said, football's pretty unique because it's uh, you're dealing with the most amount of people as far as sports go. And so um, there's a lot of things to get organized and to be ready to go. But we definitely can do it. I think we could be ready to go in a matter of, you know, two weeks or so. If we have a if it ends up being something like a two-week training camp, I don't know that. But if it is, then uh, we'll do it and then uh, literally hit the ground running. Flat, lovely pass for Thompson. And Tomkinson scores the second try for the Highlanders. That was today in New Zealand. Super League rugby back underway. That's just part of the story, as you saw. Live fans in the crowd, 22,000 of them, in fact. New Zealand has not had a positive COVID test in over three weeks. They've had just 22 COVID-related deaths, one of the lowest in the world. So things pretty much back to normal there. How long until we can say the same here? It uh, looks like a fun time. Bundesliga, Bayern Munich at home to Mönchengladbach. Alfonso Davies not in the starting 11, but would make his mark in the match as a sub. Bayern was up a goal, but late first half, Gladbach equalized thanks to a hustling play by Bayern defender Benjamin Pavard. Had good intentions, but it's an own goal. It's tied at one. Alfonso Davies comes on as a sub in the 61st minute, and in the 86th, he starts a beautiful sequence that leads to the game winner. Watch the dummy right there by Goretzka. Ball goes through to Pavard, who will then Send it back to Leon Goretzka for the finish. What a play that was. That's a talented squad, uh, Bayern Munich, and they win it 2-1 the final over Mönchengladbach. Dusseldorf at home to Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund needing a win to keep their slim hopes alive of catching Bayern Munich for the title. And they did, but barely. Final moments of stoppage time. 19-year-old Erling Holland heading in the game winner. Dortmund wins 1-0. Seven points back with just three matches to go. Dortmund has to win all three of their last matches and hope Bayern gets just a draw in their last three. So slim chances at best. Curry lets it fly. Canada, the NBA title is yours. Do you believe a year ago today the Raptors won their first NBA championship beating Golden State in six games? We the North becoming we the champs. The NBA hopes to restart its season July 30th, so the Raptors should have a chance to defend their title. Everyone's talking Lakers and Bucks, but Toronto's got a great team and a great coach in Nick Nurse. Don't count the champs out. They are legit contenders again. 
It is time now for the healthcare hero. Who are we recognizing tonight, Yvonne? Tonight we are honoring Kelvin Purepure. He is a respiratory therapist at Royal Inland Hospital and has been on the front lines of COVID-19 in Kamloops. So thank you, Kelvin, and to your team for all that you do. And thank you to your friend, Shanette. Wanted to give her a shout out, who is part of the sewing curve and has been making caps, scrub bags, and masks for the healthcare workers. Kelvin is wearing a surgical cap sewn by Shanette. So thank you so much. You can See that in this photo. And if you have a healthcare hero to nominate, email us a few pictures to BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca and tell us why they're your hero. A picture and description, always great. Well done. Okay, some squirrely clientele <laughs> in Saskatchewan are going nuts over a new saloon. Squirrels can wet their whistles with a mug full of peanut butter at the brand new One Star <laughs> Saloon. Built by a retired engineer in his backyard as a way to cope with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. the saloon took more than 100 hours to make and was open just as Saskatchewan rolled into phase three, allowing bars and restaurants to reopen. They seem to be quite territorial. If one's in there and another's coming close, they kind of get their eyes open and then they'll have a little scrap. So there's quite a few bar fights. The saloon is even equipped with a tiny piano and artwork (laughs) to ensure the customer's have a grand old time. They look like they're social distancing too. They do. You just don't <laughs> want a tip from those customers. No. No, I don't leave think. anything. Just, yeah. yeah. I don't know. The one uh, squirrel's looking for a, a saloon brawl, it looked like, taking down the chair. <laughs> Maybe. We'll they have start an playing poker when the Watch squirrels that. start playing cards. <laughs> exactly. That is tonight's news hour. Thanks for watching. We will be back later for Global News at 11. Good night. <laughs>